sponsored by Zero Accounting Software, who proudly support female entrepreneurs and help business owners to see their finances clearly. For help in getting your business digital ready, visit xero.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the She Can, She Did podcast, hosted by me, Fiona Grayson. If you're tuning in for the first time, this is the podcast in which I sit down with young female founders dotted around the UK and ask them to open up to me about everything they've been through behind the scenes, warts and all, to launch, run and grow the businesses that they lead today. Before I get going with today's episode, I'm so, so happy to announce that the Midweek Mingle Roadshow is coming back in July with the first event taking place in London on the evening of Thursday the 4th of July. So please do look out for all of the details and tickets which I'll be releasing in the coming days if you would like to attend that is. You might not want to, but if you do. I'm so excited about the lineup at this one, so I really, really do hope that you can make it. And as always, there will be loads of gin, loads of goodies to make sure that it's a proper mingle. Birmingham and Brighton, the Midweek Mingle will also be heading up and down to see you all in July too, so please do keep your eyes peeled if you fancy coming along as well. Again, you might not want to either, but if you do, (laughs) give me a few days and the details will be heading your way on both Instagram and the She Can She Did website soon. Anyway, back to this episode, which I absolutely loved recording. This week's chat is with Angelica Marlin, the 28-year-old founder and editor-in-chief of About Time magazine, one of the UK's most popular lifestyle websites that she launched five years ago that informs its readers on everything that it's about time they visit, do, drink and or eat in London and beyond. With a monthly readership of approximately 85,000 people, About Time magazine has been listed among the top 50 female founded companies in London and Angelica has since gone on to launch the About Time Academy, a full service events platform showcasing the very best in pop culture, lifestyle and business. Having launched About Time at the age of 22, Angelica and I caught up in London last month to discuss the evolution of her business story so far. From unveiling what she prioritised in the early days of the business to ensure that the magazine hit the ground running, her experience managing the ever-growing success of the business, and why she decided to scale back in recent months to rediscover and prioritise the joy in the job at hand, her advice for handling the unavoidable dodgy days on the job, with some stellar examples of said dodgy days thrown in for good measure, to how she's learnt to deal with burnout and set boundaries between work and play. I really appreciated Angelica's frankness throughout this chat, Her advice provided a really refreshing perspective and her thoughts will no doubt stick with me personally for a long time to come. Angelica, I've got to thank you because you featured on one of the um, magazine articles that I read before I launched She Can, She Did, that inspired me to launch. Really? That's so nice. Was it a roundup on female entrepreneurs? It was, yeah. I think it was Elle's. 23 women mm-hmm. under the age of 30. I think, was it Bossing Life? Or yeah, I want to make you be like your own boss. There's quite like cringy titles. <laughs> You're like, am I Bossing Life? As honestly, I'm like sitting in my pyjamas with like toothpaste stains <laughs> on me being like, I'm really Bossing Life. I feel like, honestly, that was it. I remember reading it being like, I'm so inspired by all of, all 23 of you, but I want to know how you did it. Yeah. So I was like, okay, let's, let's, uh, let's launch this that thing. Out. 
Can you, let's start with what your business is all about in your own words. Sure. So I run About Time magazine, which is a London lifestyle website covering everything it's about time you tried in London, whether that's London's best matcha latte to the best roses for summer. We cover everything like that. And I also run the About Time Academy, which is our events arm. And we do uh, kind of four or five events a month, all different topics, everything from nutrition and mental health to we did an event last week on um, on hormones and how we can balance our hormones naturally, which was really interesting. So so we bring together experts and entrepreneurs to discuss different topics. I feel like when you put it like that, it's one of those jobs that just, it's a dream job. <laughs> and you've got editor-in-chief in your title. And I grew up admiring Joe Elvin. Joe mm. Elvin was like my career inspiration. Mm. And I feel like when you have and editor And Farrah and those kind yeah, of amazing editors. Definitely. Yeah, I think I was the same. I always looked at those titles and thought they sound amazing. But it's funny, I've actually often kind of deliberated with the title editor-in-chief and we've had times where um, I've wanted to pass it to one of my team because I felt like it didn't actually sum up what what I did anymore which is mm. I don't really get time to write we have freelancers we have full-time writers and I'm more like commercial um so I felt like the title perhaps I, I sometimes just go by founder because that's easier yeah, yeah definitely they always say that though don't they like the the bigger the company gets and more successful it gets whoever's at the top they're the kind of creative all mm. hands on deck job role mm. diminishes the higher you get it's it a, it's a yeah. strategy and long-term thinking it's a challenge actually because you usually start a business because you're passionate about doing the work and then as the business grows you find yourself doing a more managerial role and an HR role and managing people and I often have these moments where I'm like I just want to go back to the thing that I loved and I've actually made some changes in the last year that's allowed me to do that um, and trying to outsource those bits that actually most business people who are creative don't really want to do. So so true we'll come on to all of that let's start with where the idea came from. Sure so I launched straight out of university which is quite unusual because I had um, I studied English and drama at Bristol and in my last year as part of my course you um, could elect to go work in the industry and do a placement which would add towards your degree which is what I did and I went to work for a fashion and travel print magazine which I loved and um, I did a few months there kind of as work experience and I graduated I did six months at the magazine and then I thought you know what? I really just want to be my own boss and I want to do my own thing so I, I launched about time um, off the back of that so I really I have never really had a job um, which I think is is a blessing as well I'm sure we can come on to that but yeah so the idea really was that I was writing when I was at this magazine mainly food at the time and I found myself at work going through so many websites and and lifestyle sites looking for inspiration of like what to do on the weekend and where to go for dinner and I felt like the content that I was finding was super overwhelming it was these like a hundred long lists of you know like so many options of things to do and the massive long lists of best burgers in London or whatever it was and I came away thinking I can't pick anything because it was that tyranny of choice it was so overwhelming and I thought I just want someone to sit down and and pair it all back and say it's about time you did this like this one thing or here's five things that are worth your time and actually the premise was that time is precious and we don't treat it like this precious commodity and we didn't want people to waste their time so Mm. That, that was the concept and I set about creating a website that would fulfill that need so the site has always been quite bossy and authoritative and very personal and um, direct. Yeah, I love that though because you're so right. There's just so much noise out there nowadays, isn't there? So it's like I'm the same. I always think of when you go into um, Time Out and you're just like, oh, like, and you know that some of them are sponsored and like you're just like, what exactly. can I trust? And exactly. And and there isn't so much of a focus of the people behind the features mm. and the journalists. And we try to work with journalists who have kind of strong personal followings, and so people trust their recommendations and bring that people element into it. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so the idea pops into your head. What does the actual 
launching a magazine look like, though, an online magazine? So I started five years ago, and I think in that time there was less competition and I was kind of less worried about what other people were doing. So for me, it was just about finding a team of such um, that I could bring together to bring this to life. I remember we launched the website with about 40 features on it. So I'd been working for a couple of months to get all the content ready because I wanted to have something that felt quite full and rich by the time it launched. I relied heavily on the help of other people. So our first website was 500 quid, which makes me laugh now because we do these super expensive web builds. Um, and it was 500 pounds and it was very basic, but it did the job for the first uh, first year or so. And I found a graphic designer who was also quite cheap. Yeah. I taught myself <laughs> quite a lot of skills through fo- um, like Photoshop, um, through YouTube. And really it was like about trading what some people had and what I could offer. So yeah. I did a bit of consultancy work to get some graphic work and all this kind of stuff. And you kind of barter your way into things. But I do think when you're young and people buy into you, then they'll help you as much as they can. Definitely. I feel like at least the first, I don't know, 18 months of She Can She Did was, or no, maybe 12 months was literally trade-offs like oh, I'll help you you help me and yeah definitely just, people are so willing to help in those early days aren't mm. they yeah definitely obviously you said you wanted to get to get a team together and I think that's quite well c- compared to a lot of the women that I've interviewed doing that straight away is quite brave yeah so these weren't full-time team I just felt like I had to have some semblance of people helping me mm. so we had kind of like part-time editors um freelancers I had what felt like a team to me but yeah it was literally just me and in terms of going out and trying like restaurants and stuff did you just kind of explain the concept and I'm just thinking for anyone that's interested in that not necessarily launching an online magazine Mm. but kind of getting people to come on board how did you approach that yeah so we rely really heavily on PR agencies to produce content so a lot of my early days work was just going out for coffees and meetings with PR agencies and saying this is what I'm planning to do and what do you have and how can we feature it and trying to create a bit of a uh, relationship even before we had a website and I get asked a lot by people who want to start online websites like where do they begin mm-hmm. and I was like start with PRs like build really good relationships with PRs because if you're trying to produce like a news based site or a content based website you need a really high churn out of, of content and that really does come from being supplied interesting information by agencies yeah no definitely and I mean what the, the hits now monthly are huge yeah, right um, yeah so we get about 85,000 uniques and about double that in page views um, but that's taken time yeah, um, yeah, you know definitely. that's like something that grows quite organic organically but the the real thing from that is just scaling up the amount you're able to produce Mm. do you remember seeing a turning point like Um, how how long was it before you thought I'm really onto something here I think that it took a while to find our brand identity in that I knew what I kind of roughly wanted to do but with online you kind of have to go with what your audience is responding Mm. to so we went down a lot more of a foodie um like destination than I was initially planning and that was who doesn't like food of course everyone loves food everyone (laughs) loves photos of it but um that quite niche food stuff so Mm. we do like uh I don't know like London's best vegan burgers and quite niche roundups on like where to find really good salt beef sandwiches that that stuff really was doing well so we kind of amplified the niche content so that kind of changes and I felt with that our audience also grew because we we were known for that kind of content as well and I'm thinking like if you've been in this for five years that's the kind of turning point for that healthy London food scene isn't it and the Instagram food scene and you kind of hit it yeah while it, while yeah it, was hot. It's, it has been really interesting that demand for more kind of gluten-free and vegan and 
and everything. And I always try and balance it between wanting to give our audience what they want and then trying not to be preachy. I'm I'm also aware that we never set out to be a vegan site. Yeah. And it's um I don't want to like cave too much yeah, to yeah. to trends because if you stick, you know, if you kind of die by the sword of a trend that then in ten months, I mean I'm sure everyone's gonna be vegan in ten months, but but you don't want it, yeah, you don't want to connect too much stuff that goes out of fashion. Yeah, definitely. Um, in terms of those early days, I'm intrigued to know what your mindset was like in those first, say, first year, two years. Mm. Let's let's focus on the first year, actually, because I'm putting myself in your shoes. And when I launched She Can, She Did, I'd kind of walked away from a corporate job where I knew, I knew what I was doing. I was being paid every month. It was good money. Mm. And then you just kind of go cold turkey. And I know they always say that's not what you should do. Mm. Um, but I just remember feeling so aware that... I was on my own in it. You know, mm. I'd launched this business and she can, she did, didn't lend itself. Uh, I had to kind of lay a groundwork before I could monetize it. And I'm guessing it was yeah, similar with exactly. you. Exactly. Yeah, it was definitely similar. So, so how, how did you kind of keep yourself going mm. in those it's first a, few months? It's a very interesting question. Part of the thing that I say often when I we do events and people come up to us and they say, I'm in a full-time job and I really want to leave, but I don't know how to. And I always think, well, it's hard for me to advise because I never really had a job. So mm. I've never had a salary. I don't know what that feels like and yeah, that comfort yeah. and st- stability. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> oh, I can, I can imagine. I mean, I've, had, I've had like retainer work where I've been like, mm, this is nice, yeah. like regularity. <laughs> um, but, I, but I think I've always kind of lived in the um, financially unstable yeah, yeah. world. Yeah. Um, that said, I think actually as, as your business grows, stability comes into it and you start to know what you're going to earn and whatever. So uh, I would say that I don't, I don't really know what that feels like, but from the talks I've done, people say have three to six months savings. Mm, yeah, yeah. And I think that's a good kind of comfortable place to be for me I had a bit of savings I probably had I reckon six months worth of savings but actually it took like a real probably like a year maybe a year and a half to really know what it was and what it could be commercially I mean like you said you just sometimes have to do the work without that pressure yeah definitely and I always think that you know you mentioned that there that people come up to you and say you know I, I don't want to leave my salary and I get that so much and I think there has to be some kind of give where mm. you you do have to just take the hit and mm. if you want to launch that business there's got to be some kind of risk taking where you do have you make exactly that leap, and there's you? And you a, never the a perfect time that's yeah, the thing definitely. people are always waiting for this moment there's like a lightning bolt and you know that it never aligns in that way yeah. there's never really a right time to do anything a, a little bit of market research a bit of passion but like you sometimes just have to go and do it yeah definitely um and in terms of monetizing it you know what did that feel like when you got the first money through from a business that you'd launched for yourself yeah i think it feels really validating and really good the interesting thing with us is that we've always had multiple income streams which is a kind of blessing and a curse because it's nice not to rely on one thing in case the industry changes but it has also felt quite scrappy over the years because of that Mm -hmm. so we make money through sponsored content um through display advertising through events um through like brand stuff a little bit consultancy i do a bit of influencer work so it's just really such a mixture and it's great because you have all these different ways that you can make money um but it can also be quite hard in terms of like financial modeling and business Mm. plans and just like planning you know when people say what's your five-year plan the thing is is that all those streams are also kind of part of industry changes so that they're also kind of in flux and do you you get help with that kind of stuff or are you quite confident in sitting down and 
I like try and plan. Yeah. I think the longer I've been in business, the more I try and plan out things. I know what's coming in and what's coming out on a monthly basis, but it's hard to say because it's hard to say what, like, it, I don't know what Instagram's going to look like in five, six months. Yeah, and it's hard definitely. to say how events will change. So we, we try the best we can. But um, I just think if you have a good product, you'll find ways to make money with it. And that's so, so true. And I um, I watched an interview with you actually on the way on the train over here and you were saying it was one of those YouTube Mm -hmm. clips three or four minutes and you said something along the lines of you knew full well when you launched about time that you weren't launching the first ever online magazine Mm -hmm. and uh, it's a case of just owning your brand doing something a bit different and doing it well yeah definitely like it's really hard to have a totally unique idea you just have to do things better Yeah, yeah like yeah you don't have to reinvent the wheel Pip, um, Pip Murray from Pip and Nut always says this. She's a queen. <laughs> absolute queen. But she always says this. She's like, we weren't the first people to do nut butter. Like yeah, yeah. there were peanut butter on the shelves, but we just did it for a different demographic. We made it younger and more fun and more playful. And yeah. that brought in a new audience. So and she you can, nailed it. She totally nailed it. And yeah. it's absolutely delicious. <laughs> Had some this morning. But um, you can, yeah, you can do something for a new audience. Yeah, definitely. Let's talk team. Obviously, as you've scaled, the team's got a lot bigger, right? Yeah. Obviously, <laughs> stupid question. Um, how have you approached that, given that at the beginning it was you with a few freelancers um, and now you've got kind of a, a core team, mm. way more freelancers? How have you managed that um, responsibility? Yeah, I think an element of flexibility is really good. Like I said, having different income streams means your business has different challenges along the way. Mm. So for us, like now we do so many events, it made sense to hire someone that was going to look over the events arm. Um, I was finding it quite personally quite stressful because I'm not hugely organised and the kind of logistical side of events like booking yeah. the venues, making sure the chairs are going to be there, I wasn't enjoying. Yeah. And for me, it was like a huge sigh of relief to hire a head of events who could look after that. Yeah, definitely. But I think if you're kind of stressing over how your business can grow, try and bring in an element of flexibility. So can you get someone two days a week and can you get like a freelancer like a few other days a week to cover another bit of your business? Mm-hmm. I think we feel like this, the kind of proof of success of a business is how many full-time employees it has. Mm-hmm. And that's that's not really true. It's actually so true. how can yeah. you scale in a lean way? And it's just about kind of personal needs in your business. Mm-hmm. So we bring people in kind of on project basis. And, and that makes me feel a bit better as well, because just as a founder, it's really quite emotionally stressful having people on full time salaries. You know, when payroll comes around, it's a lot. So it depends on how you're on your own emotional resilience mm-hmm. and whether you have investment. But not everyone wants to have full time employees. Yeah, yeah. I'm so glad you said that because I'm at like a stage which she can she did at the moment where literally I've got a call this afternoon with someone where I'm going to talk about taking someone on a freelance basis and it's just I'm, I'm for that exact reason like I just the financial responsibility of a full time I mean I'm not there yet and I just think start slowly yeah and like don't definitely. put all that pressure on to be there like is such, proper <laughs> exactly there is such a huge pressure on really fast growth Mm. like crazy scale all this kind of stuff and actually I think it's quite a masculine energy it's the way that we've been brought up to think this is how business looks like and my approach which I think is a bit more feminine sorry for that slightly gender binary thing but whatever (laughs) I find it a bit more more of a soft approach which is like scale in a way that feels comfortable to you so I have someone two days a week at the moment who looks after events I have someone else a few days a week who looks after content and then I get like a day to myself which is really nice and I'm enjoying that quite a lot actually and it part of that process and that journey because I've had people 
people full time for years was like being really honest with myself about what I wanted in mm. terms of lifestyle. And like, I didn't actually want to be in an office anymore. And I was like, okay, when I realized that I was like, uh oh, okay, I have to change this whole thing. So like get yeah. rid of an office, get rid of full time people, bring back the joy a little bit and just own it a bit more. That's so, that's so refreshing to hear that you've kind of went... I was about to say take a step backwards and that's so not the way to do it. But I kind of it. actually have. But I actually have in a lot of ways because for four years I did things in a really conventional way which mm-hmm. was like build an office, build a full-time team, have loads of meetings, do all of it that way. And then I like found that I didn't have the joy anymore and I was like, okay, what's happened? Like, yeah, yeah. I was like, maybe it's just getting older and I was like, no, you have to always love your business. So in January, I completely changed everything. Like I got rid of our office. I went down to part-time staff. I like gave myself two days a week to like pursue other ventures and it just breathed like this like fresh air into my life where I was like I feel kind of excited and refreshed rather than this like commuting to Farringdon every day which was what I was doing and it was like an hour from my house and I just wasn't loving it yeah it becomes it becomes that kind of the the office job doesn't it yeah it does exactly it becomes the office job and you're like wait I did not choose all of this these challenges and these struggles and everything to have an office job it just doesn't make any sense I don't want to have a nine-to-five I never did so it's like how can you make yourself more excited the other thing is is I think so much of this is about how we measure our own success and I think we think like I said employees is a measure of success we also think things like offices are a measure of success and I was like you can be like an absolute amazing business person, billionaire sitting out of Costa. And I think learning to slum it and like being Cafe Nero working on your startup is like the real journey. Yeah. And raising investment and going to like some place in Shoreditch that has kombucha on tap isn't a reflection of your success. Gen- genuinely that. And it's also one of the reasons why I try and take this outside of London as much as I can as well. Because mm. there's in everything you've just said, there's also this um, real kind of, attitude where the successful businesses are in London mm. you know and I think that like there's there's um, women absolutely smashing it all over the place yeah like, and it's, it's just all of these yeah this is like the beating heart just, of an of yeah, entrepreneurship yeah. like you yeah. have to be in London you have to be in London and I'm like well not like no yeah like, it doesn't exactly work like I that. think like a good test of entrepreneurship is like do you love it enough that you would do it for free and do you love yeah. it enough that you'd slum it in Cafe Nero and do it yeah. and if you still would love it then like I'm go like, for tick, it tick. okay that's good yeah, that's fine yeah like <laughs> that's fine I mean sometimes Gales you know if I'm feeling yeah. but um, yeah you gotta love it you gotta yeah. love it because it comes with so many like additional stresses and challenges and pitfalls that you have to find that joy. Yeah, let's talk about the challenges more then. Um, how um, how have your challenges evolved throughout the five years? So, oh my God, just like literally <laughs> every day is such a whirlwind. <laughs> um, a lot of the challenges that have evolved have been growth related. So yeah. I find the, the hardest stuff with business is people. So letting people go, having to change things quite drastically, having to be really honest when things like aren't going the right way financially. That, that stuff I think has is kind of like a constant bubbling challenge. Mm. But then there's obviously spikes when things go like horrifically wrong. And we've had some, yeah, we've had some interesting journeys. I think uh, doing live events adds a kind of new level of pressure because, mm it's not like an article where you can change it and edit it and take it down you've got people they've bought tickets things need to work so the technical side of events is is a challenge we got sued that was fun Um, good times yeah good times (laughs) so when I um when I was much younger and I'd started, I was 22, I didn't know anything about media law. I was um, I was very naive to what running a website actually entailed. And it was kind of like a blog, to be honest. Like no one, it wasn't a huge readership and so it wasn't really anything. And so we would just use internet images, like we just pull things off Google and I did not know that that was not okay. And then like a couple of years ago, it came to bite me in the ass because this company got in touch and they were like copyright infringement and you've used our photo. And I tried to send this really like, 
beg you email where I was like, I'm so sorry. I was just like a kid and I just started this business and I didn't know and whatever. We ended up settling on a, on a, an amount that was fine. But, um, you know, when these things oh, happen. Oh, it really went like properly. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, it properly settled. Oh Although gosh. I've now like actually learned that these things often are resolvable and I don't know in different ways, but I think I was so scared at the yeah. time that we, send, we ended up settling um, for about 800 euros because um, they were in, I think they were in Germany, um, which to a small business is quite a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's kind of like when you get a parking fine, but much worse, because it kind <laughs> of just comes out of nowhere. Oh, yeah. um, but then I've My actually... HMRC this year, I, um, I put my student loan thing in wrong, and then they emailed back and they were like, you owe more than that. And I was like, ah, oh, shit. But like, you oh, just no. never knew then. Yeah, you? exactly. It's kind of like, oh, no. Oh, like, you're like, damn it. Yeah, 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 there's so many things in business that are really unfun to pay yeah. for. You know, so much stuff is an outgoing, but it's not, it's not like going shopping. It's not yeah. fun. <laughs> but I've, yeah, I've, I've since learned that stuff like that is just to like breathe a little bit. I remember on the day I was like crying and hysterical. And I was like, this is going to pull like such a plug in my business. And then like my family were like, come on, this is not the worst thing that can happen to you. So you go through this experience and it's since happened um, again and we've been okay. So yeah, definitely. Just please don't come sue me. I can't be bothered. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true, though, isn't it? I always like that. Um, you, you must have seen, you know, the uh, meme on Instagram where it's that zigzag line of the life of mm. an entrepreneur, and it's like, this oh. is amazing. This is shit. This is amazing. The thing <laughs> is, like... what I've learned is like not to moan as much because I always say to myself, like, you chose this life. You have to take some ownership over it. It's like so true. It's like if you um, want to go get a nine to five, like go. Nobody yeah. is stopping you. But like I chose the highs and I chose the lows, and you just a bit of ownership. Like this is this is the life I chose, yep. and I yeah I need to stop wringing up my mum in tears. <laughs> yeah, it's, no, and it is it's, it is so true, and I think that like there is a power in kind of talking about the challenges in hindsight but you know when I don't I always think there's a danger in talking about them when you're in the thick of it mm. and you haven't kind of processed what it all means yet do you know what I mean like yeah. if that fine had come in and then you were kind of screaming in about the moment it and, and kind of sharing it and yeah it's just kind of, um, and it's interesting I share a lot of like my personal journey on Twitter and I found recently like oh, I went through a hard month last month you know things were a bit difficult and I had too many projects on and I felt really burnt out and then I got the flu because I, I just had worked too hard and I was tweeting about it and people were being really horrible and they were like we don't want to hear about like all this burnout stuff and it sounds like you're super stressed and you should like definitely think about you know doing other stuff and it's funny because I thought we're in this culture now that's about sharing mm. but I still think that there is an element with social that people really do want to see the glitzy stuff and they don't want to see the behind the scenes as much as we talk about wanting to I'm not sure we do it's weird one because I think that there is the reason I started She Can She Did is essentially because I saw that I was getting fed up of those glossy run a business, launch a business, be a girl boss kind of thing, mm. and thinking there's so much work they deserve some. I guess you do the envy and the jealousy thing, and you see some women absolutely smashing it. And I, my first response is they've worked so damn hard to get there, so you yeah. should respect them. Yeah. But also to appreciate how much of of the up and downs they've been through to get there as well. Mm. And so I'm 100% for sharing the challenges. But I, I would say that there is, for me, it's such a hard one, isn't it? Because I'm so for cha sharing challenges without it sounding, I don't know, it's so bad. Because then like, I kind of I think, think I like, respect you for sharing the I fact think that you're there is something the days as they're happening as well. I think there is something a bit perhaps better about sharing it 
the challenges retrospectively because you've kind of come with some kind of solutions and advice. And I kind of get where these like trolls were coming from that just moaning publicly on the internet without saying like I went through the mm-hmm. this and this is how I came out the other side. Perhaps isn't that useful? And people have a lot in their own lives and perhaps they, they Do don't want to see it. I feel like you can't please everyone. <laughs> no, I know. And I've got it's a like lot of weird of those, followers. Yeah. I mean, I've got a lot of lovely ones, but a couple of weird ones. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I'm kind of used to it as well. You mentioned burnout there. Mm. I mean, how has your coping mechanisms Mm. evolved? Because obviously, I guess you're burning out in your first year compared to now. There's maybe warning signs that you I think, yeah, I think I'm a little bit better at feeling when it's coming on. Um, I don't know. I think one thing that I think is important that I'm learning like the older I get is that it's really problematic if you identify too much with the success of your projects and like stepping away from that a little bit and like feeling happy in yourself despite what happens at work not because of it I think I was like I need to be successful because it's Mm. a really important part of my identity and if this project doesn't work out or this event doesn't sell then I'd feel personally bad about myself and I'm trying much harder to 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 like disassociate from that and mm. not to identify with success of business yeah. um, because people in their nine to five don't really do that in the same way and I don't know why entrepreneurs feel like they have to because I don't think people fail I think projects and plans fail um, so, so that for me as part of burnout is just trying to step away a little bit more um, with success and failure that's so interesting I mean I think everyone listening to this will be able to relate to that like, I watched this um, TED talk with Simon Sinek on how I mean, it was kind of, it's, there is a link somewhere. But when a post does well, for instance, on social media, you have, there's a, I think it's dopamine here. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. we're, that's an addictive an thing. thing. And exactly. you can kind of see the parallels with yeah. when your business is going well. And if, you know, like an event, if it sells out, you mm. get that, mm. yes, I'm, you're smashing it. But then, yeah, there is that kind of, yeah. the complete opposite of that. And it's, it's like if I took it, if to I took it all it, away it? tomorrow, would you still be happy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Without any of it, would oh you be God, happy? Oh my God, I wouldn't. I'd well, exactly. So then that's, I know. Yeah. So that's a problem. Like we need to learn. And I don't know whether I can say that having had what I would consider like a fair bit of success. Yeah. So now I'm able to say like, if it all went away tomorrow, I feel like I would have succeeded. And I asked my boyfriend that last night, would he feel like that way about his career? And he was like, I feel like I've got so much more to do that if it all stopped tomorrow and that was it, I would feel like dissatisfied. And I wonder for me whether there was a lot of boxes that I wanted to take which I felt like I did I hosted events for 300 people and I got a certain amount of hits and then I think well I got to a stage maybe that's what happens when you reach your goals I really don't know but um I suppose it's just not not identifying too much with all of that and just being a happy person as it is definitely no that's just doing more more walks is my thing at the moment just walking more oh my gosh just love a walk literally swear by getting outside it's like exercise in general but dog walks for me are just everything just, like just, just get walk, out walk, and get yeah. um, away from being behind your screen mm. like my laptop and me I have such a love-hate relationship with it like <laughs> it is a joke but yeah that's so true what else do you do in terms of Ooh, like your go-to um, switch offs when you're like I've had enough I need to just walk quite away. quite a lot of stuff one of the things that I talk about a fair bit is um which I actually know that there's quite a lot of criticism about but I, I talk quite a lot about work-life integration um rather than work-life balance because I think if we're trying to balance the two and treating them as two separate entities it just doesn't 
really work. Mm-hmm. Um, some people will criticise that because they think that that breeds a culture of workism where we're kind of constantly on. For me, I, I, I know like my boundaries. Kind of a, yeah, it's a reality, isn't it? Like yeah. you can do pockets of work in the morning, then take the kids to school, and yeah, then I think it's a reality. Some yeah. pe- some people don't want to have that, but whatever. Um, so for me, I try and take like a day a week, um, or at least a morning a week off, and just do some other stuff, um, which I'm finding quite good because I work weekends often when because I like the quiet of the weekend to get stuff done without emails and feeling like you're in the working week so I often work Sundays so then I kind of replace that and I'll take Friday morning off which I really like and that helps me kind of chill and then like yeah exercise I'm a big class passer um so I just I go to something on class pass usually reformer pilates I also have a very love-hate relationship with my phone and all my friends say ironically that I'm the best person with my phone and um, for someone who works in digital I don't really like my phone I don't feel very good about it I try not to hold it I yeah. don't I don't love it and on weekends I put it in a drawer and I was so doing good. that before it was trendy honestly yeah. my boyfriend keeps Shabbat so we're Jewish and he keeps Shabbat and I think uh, switching your phone off from Friday to Saturday which is like part of our religion has become really trendy now but it's something we've been doing for years and it makes like such a difference to mental health honestly i think that genuinely we should all be doing that and i kind of say it hypocritically because i need to be doing it as well but i'm so not i honestly sound like my dad every time i say it but i'm genuinely like a bit worried about all of us in terms of Mm. we need to put our phones down like Mm. it's ridiculous i worry about our focus and concentration like the next wave of surgeons and like stuff like that where you have to be really incredibly focused and i feel like my phone is such a distraction that i don't know how to focus like i once could so i do worry about all of our attention spans as well yeah no it's so so true Going back to that TED talk I watched because he was basically talking about the differences in generations and how um, the older generation kind of blame teenagers coming through now that they they don't have the attention spans and mm. all of that kind of thing. And he's basically saying they've they've literally grown up in a world where they've had a phone in their hands since the minute they were born, basically taking selfies, and they are addicted. And you wouldn't scream at like an alcoholic to stop drinking, get in his face and scream, but then parents can kind of scream and say put their phone down and he's basically saying they are addicted we are an addicted generation it's it's crazy it's very problematic i'm going off on a rant (laughs) this podcast is sponsored by zero accounting software who proudly support female entrepreneurs and help business owners to see their finances clearly for help in getting your business digital ready visit xero.com let's Move on. You mentioned your partner there. Mm. Um, How have your relationships with family, friends, partner, everything evolved along the way, given that, you know, we've just said that there isn't that kind of work life Mm. on off switch. Yeah. How how have your relationships evolved as you as about time and everything that comes with it has got bigger, more demanding, more successful? Um. I was lucky in that I I met my boyfriend quite early on in my journey. I think I've been doing it about six months, so we've not really known that much different. He's been he's pretty patient, um, and he's quite used to me working quite late into the evenings. Um, How I late actually, are we talking? Well, it depends. Like I just like to go with the flow. Like sometimes, mm. especially if you're a journalist, like you like to write in the quiet of the evening. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I I will check my email before bed, which is not very good. But I sometimes will work till ten. Okay. Um, 
or thereabouts and he'll often be the one making dinner while I work. There's also been quite a lot of kind of personal demands on as we've grown but I haven't been able to hire um, like yet. He's ha- helped me out a massive amount so like stacking chairs at events and doing the doing the clipboard and all, all this kind of stuff. You know sometimes like the real grit of entrepreneurship is like getting down in the trenches and doing that, that yeah, kind of yeah, work hugely. and he's been amazing for, for that and really incredibly supportive. The only He's pretty much been to all of our events. The only one was the hormone one on, <laughs> on Tuesday where he Who's did that Angelica I'm out. Yeah <laughs> no, he did do in his defence he did do the clipboard and oh, really? he did the oh, door and then he was like I'm just going to go to the pub yeah. just while the talk's on I was like, it's not very feminist of you we did only have one man who was one of the panellists' husbands in the audience oh, um, but nice. actually yeah, yeah it was quite a female affair um, <laughs> so yeah he's, he's been really great I think um, for friends it's, it's, it's hard because mm. the amount of stuff that you have to cancel or that you're like there but you're like you're kind of distracted and you're in your own head like I really sometimes struggle to get out of the work day and like I think people that do a nine-to-five um and perhaps don't love what they do quite as much just leave it at the door in a way that you just don't Mm. like it will be in my head so I think if you're thinking about doing your own thing it's like think to yourself how can I draw a line in the sand at the end of the day whether that's a walk uh, going to the gym a change of clothes like having a shower whatever because otherwise that feeling is like it just stretches Mm. into the evening so I think you have to try and create a bit of a morning and an evening routine to set you up for the day and also to close the day before you go out and see your friends or do anything because I've had so many instances where they're talking and I'm like oh my god I'm thinking about that invoice I need to pay or or whatever it is do you Um, know um, Rosie Davies she was in the same article LFA yeah yeah yeah. she um, I was interviewing her a few weeks ago and she was basically saying that it is exactly that that she struggles with too and it's so true it's that that kind of making sure that you're present being present yeah with the people that you love just Mm. so that you're not taking them for granted and stuff yeah it is so hard that's partly about delegation i think it's like Mm. if you have some other people who are helping you you know that that's their role It's, it's usually quite stressful in the early days when it's all on you yeah so you might just find that you need to delegate more people need to get assistance that's what i think like so like an assistant to help with admin side of things, you know, they're relatively inexpensive and a lot of people can really benefit from having someone juggling the admin workload. Yeah. Um, family have been good. I think at times, my mum actually is incredibly supportive. I, I think perhaps at times they've been a little bit like, OK, what is this? Because when you're in a frontier industry and you're an entrepreneur and you're kind of making up the rules as you go along and you're not following a traditional path, it can people can be a bit um, perplexed by what you do. Yeah. But I think you, can, you don't have to justify your career to anyone. Uh, but my family have been amazing. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm very lucky with that. And it's so true, isn't it? Because um, I'm the same in that my family have been amazing, but lots of family friends mm. have kind of questioned my mum and dad about what I'm doing. Like, as in, what, 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 where does she, where is she going with it? And their mum and dad are kind of like, oh, you know, she'll work it out. And it's, <laughs> it's so true, isn't it? When they don't, like, it doesn't lend itself to kind of a, I guess, if you launch a product, for instance, you know, or family friends, those that aren't with you every day, they, they can see that you sell the product, you get money, it must be a business. But I guess with an online magazine, when yeah. you do have all of those different layers, yeah. it's not as obvious, isn't it? Yeah. So that it kind of leaves room for people to kind of mm. question it a bit more. I think when we launched the Academy, which was like a separate website for our events, my family like got it and they were like, oh, that's what you've been working on for ages because they could understand that people would pay tickets to go to an event and that was like a simple purchase kind of yeah. thing. Whereas when you talk about kind of sponsored Instagram, yeah. they're not really like, they don't <laughs> so, really get so it. True. That's so funny. <laughs> 
going forward, what are your plans for about time? Like, can you can you see yourself doing this in 10 years time, for instance? Yeah, I think I will always do it. Um, but I think it will kind of shift and shape change along the way. Mm. And um, there is always an element of flexibility. The thing that I love most about my job is hosting, um, hosting events, um, yeah. talks, podcasts. And I've realised that more and more recently. So I think the direction I personally would like to go in is to host more and more, perhaps hosting other people's events, working with brands. Yeah. What, um, is it, what is it about that that you love most? There's a couple of things so back in the day I wanted to be a TV presenter that was like my big dream and then about time happened what kind of I I went through like a Blue Peter presenter well yeah I wouldn't mind being a Blue Peter presenter they had the best opportunity. Yeah. So I went to university ever. with actually won a competition and she's still a Blue Peter presenter. Really? It's very cool. Oh my God. Um, yeah, no, I wanted to be a presenter and then I kind of put that dream on the back burner because the magazine took off. Mm. And then I realised like a few years ago that I had a platform and there was a way of incorporating those elements into what I was doing. So that's when we started doing events so that I could go out and do things that I loved, yeah. which was being in front of audiences, creating a great atmosphere, asking questions. Um, and I, I just want to do that more and more. And I, I like, really like broadcast. So I'm doing lots of radio and I'm really enjoying that. So I think there is an element where it's like, have your business, do your nine to five. And then there are other things around it that you might find that you love and pursue those passions. It doesn't really matter if they don't fit in your original business plan, like make them fit, basically. It's it's so true. And it is, it's, this conversation so I think will be helpful for so many people in the sense that it's just such a good reminder that when you are your own boss you are your own boss. Yeah. Like, don't let the business become the boss. Like, yeah. it's, it's take that, that can kind of control exactly. and do what you love because you launched it in the first place so that you did exactly that you know exactly and it's about confidence we're doing our first ever festival in September and that was something I wanted to do for so long but I was like will people come if we do a festival and like do we have the manpower and you just you find ways of doing it in your own in your own way so we have a festival um that's that's happening on the 14th of September and that's going to be like a big one day event and we've never really yeah, done something yeah. of that size so that was, that's like our big project at the moment that sounds amazing just hey, what is it is it fire fest just don't do that yeah just don't do that basically no, it's <laughs> I feel no like that's set the precedent for like what not to do so as long as it's not that we're all good yeah no I think yeah. it's gonna be a little bit bit of a better lunch yeah. than the cheese sandwiches <laughs> Given that you're now five years in, I also feel like they say seven years is like the main one, isn't it? And um, it's like friendship, seven years in business and you're set. Um, But five years to me is like, you know, I'm I'm not even two yet. So I'm like, (laughs) you're smashing it. Given that you've been in it for five years, what would your advice be to anyone starting now for kind of making sure that you launch with a good brand, like um, identifying their brand from the outset? So um, what I've realised about brand identity is is mainly about focus. It can be quite easy when you first launch to have like a million ideas and want to take it in those different um, directions and destinations. And I've really found that focusing in on doing a couple of things really well has really helped. So um, with social media, we like sat down with like a pen and paper and we sketched out like if our accounts were actual people, what would they sound like? What would they do? Um, you know, how do they interact with others? So that really helped us to to create a sense of consistency of voice on Twitter and on Instagram. And as those platforms have changed, we've had to slightly change as well. But the tone of voice will pretty much sound the same. So that's really important if you're going to hire social media managers. What, um, what did your person look like? So they're quite, they're quite well, um, like young, um, <laughs> young kind of, 25 to 35 year old female mm-hmm. quite like sassy but kind of knows about London has like quite a good sense of humour we do a lot of like puns and stuff yeah. we do lots of fun gifts so yeah it's kind of like very accessible easy content and yeah. voice 
The other thing I would say is when stuff has gone really wrong for us, so like, I don't know, like graphic design or like a website build or something, I always look back on it and I realise that it was me that briefed badly. So I think learning how to do a good brief is really important. Mm -hmm. Like learning how to communicate your ideas into words for if you're outsourcing bits of your business so because it's really costly otherwise is it in a case of not enough detail or too much detail just or? like not making it clear enough the aesthetic you're going for and aesthetic and how that that can translate into like a user experience like you just i don't know you need to make the whole thing quite just like easy to understand mm. we, we actually found we were working with a web design company and we just weren't getting it and like just didn't it look, every time they sent us like a new version it just looked worse and worse it was like horrific and then we just started voice noting and I mean originally the guy was like what's a voice note and I was like oh my god like literally <laughs> are you in like 2015 um, but we started voice noting and that made a huge difference mm. because I wasn't trying to translate my thoughts into words like yeah, I was just yeah. saying them so like if you can find people who are like on your level and you can like speak to I think that makes a big difference the the bits like I would try and outs- not outsource as much as possible of your brand identity try and keep it as much in house but you know things like PR when you're trying to outsource bits of it you have to be really clear on the brief that you're trying to achieve yeah it's so funny that you said about voice notes because it's so true sometimes I, I hate phone calls I don't know what it is I'm I love meeting people in person it's why I do the interviews face to face and but phone calls I just ugh. but there is sometimes a power in just picking up the phone and explaining rather than trying to write a giant email. Exactly. Yeah, just like bite the bullet, just just, just do it. Yeah. Oh, I love a phone call. I'm do always you? yeah. It's so oh, funny because so I always call my friends and they're like, "What's the matter? Is everything okay?" Yeah. I'm like, "Yeah, I just wanted a chat. Like, I was just so walking funny. to the station, want to chat." Yeah, you got it. It's all about the phone calls. Yeah. I know, but I do get it. People don't want to speak anymore. Let's round up with, there's a few statements. Let me get them up. Gosh, we've timed this quite well. We have done well. So I'm going to make it to Pilates on time. <laughs> what time's your class? 1.30. Okay, yeah, you've got this. Nailed it. Um, okay, Angelica, so I've been ending all the podcasts with a few statements. So I'll start and I'd like you to finish if that's okay, please. Mm-hmm. Number one, being my own boss means. Hmm. Oh, God, I'm not very prepared to give you a second. <laughs> You want to say something like really meaningful. Yeah, I know, but I'm also just like being where I'm supposed to be is health. Um, (laughs) Being incredibly creatively fulfilled, but also really, really tired. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. It's like an ongoing, I guess, can you imagine when we have kids in the mix as well? Like that is, some of the mums I interview, I'm like, I don't know how you're doing this. I think I'm just going to be like an Insta mum. Like, <laughs> kid, I'm going to have a kid influencer because that's yeah, easy. that's it. Oh, don't. I have, there's a, have you seen the meme with Anne Hathaway where she looks like she's crying? And um, it's like when you've got to the end of like a 10 hour shift and you log on to Instagram and see there's dogs earning millions. And like, <laughs> you're just well, like, why bother? I'm always like that. I'm like, I should just get a dog. But I've got dogs and pimp the dogs out. Um, number two, when it's not quite going to plan, my advice would be to... Have a cup of tea and a digestive biscuit. Oh, you digestives. Oh, I love it. And chocolate. Knobs. Oh, no. no. Really? Chocolate digestive. Sometimes a caramel one if I'm feeling naughty. Oh, I see it now. I'm, I'm such a half knob through. But yeah, that's good. Um, number three, if I could go back to day one of my business, I'd tell myself. Just to enjoy the process a little bit more and stop focusing so much on the success or on financial growth and actually just enjoy the journey. Mm. 
do you think you're, that's something now, I guess, that you're going to be taking? I wonder well? if that's something I'm able to do now because we're like financially stable. Uh, I think that is probably that. a big part of it. Is like you, yeah, you, when you know you've got kind of savings and stuff, yeah, you're not yeah. stressing in the way that you were. But um, I wish I could tell myself that it was going to be all, all right and yeah. like you would get to a place where you'd feel stable and comfortable. And I probably would not have done some of the like brand work that we did just because I was like, we need the money. Mm. And perhaps I would have taken my time. Yeah, it's so true, though, because I always think it's again, it comes with hindsight. And I think it's it is one of them things that's a lot easier to say further down the line, isn't it? Which is obviously understandable. Mm. And it goes back to, I suppose, what we were saying at the beginning of there has to still be that bit at the, the beginning where you do grit your teeth and have to work. And it's not going to be easy straight away. Isn't yeah, it? Definitely. So definitely. Just stick at it. Number four, if I had to describe myself as a businesswoman, I'd say that I am. Ambitious caring and ambitious compassionate and creative very strong and number five drum roll i want my legacy to be that Hmm. so i don't drink caffeine very regularly i know i'm a decaf person but I (laughs) i know okay so I but sometimes I get a one shot latte, but then it like never tastes strong enough. So basically, I try to create this thing called a demi decaf, which is like one shot of decaf, one shot of regular, because it tastes strong enough like coffee, but it's only got one shot. And I like just tried so hard, and I'd go into places and be like, "Can I get a demi decaf?" Just to try and make it a thing. Yeah. Um, I haven't got very far, but I'd quite like a demi decaf to be my legacy. God, that's not very ambitious, is it? That's hilarious. It's so nothing to do with about. Oh no, 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 I just <laughs> would like a demi decaf oh to be a God. thing. I didn't get quite I far. I feel with like I'm not kidding. So I, I, um, if you ever had that food test thing done yeah I'm not supposed to drink caffeine but I love caffeine so like me and coffee are a thing like and it's the I there's a few things that they've told me to cut out which I have but me and caffeine are here to stay and I think you need to do that because I would I would, would you get a WD be cap? so interested in that because I basically it's uh, to me when I'm drinking a regular decaf I used to work about five minutes down the road and ask my old team what I was like in that week when I went decaf. It wasn't pretty. But I just I just think that, like, psychologically, I'm like, I know this isn't coffee, no. But if I know there's a bit of coffee in a bit there of, exactly. and it still tastes like coffee... Yeah, yeah. But not as much coffee. I feel, yeah. Oh, my gosh, you need to do I that. got quite far with this place called Melrose and Morgan in Primrose Hill and I, I did it enough that one time I said it and they made it for me and they knew what it was, but that's that's the farthest I've got. Oh, my gosh, I feel like this needs to be a thing. Best answer to that ever. Thank you, Pret, if you're listening. <laughs> I don't think they're going to be listening. <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, Thank you. <laughs> Amazing. Thank, Thank you, Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank you for listening to She Can, She Did. If you fancy being a complete star and doing your good deed for the day, please feel free to rate, review and subscribe on iTunes to give the She Can, She Did series a little boost and help others to find it. You can also attend the Midweek Mingles, the She Can, She Did event series for female founders and aspiring female business owners, featuring a whole lot of business inspiration and the all-important GNTs in equal measure. For more information and to book your ticket, head to www.shecanshedid.com. I would love to see you there.